welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today, I am joined by Carla Thrasher, and Carla, who we affectionately call Ruse around here, uh, is our uh, Director of International Adoption and has been with Lifeline uh, for over 20 years and does just a, a fantastic job in the way that she leads our team and the way she leads our international adoption programs. Um, Carla is a graduate of the University of Alabama at Birmingham and is a licensed social worker. She's also a TBRI practitioner certified by the TCU Karen Purvis Institute of Child Development. She's been on staff at Lifeline, like we said, since 2001, and she actually started on September 11th, 2001. So uh, two ways that that day will live in infamy. And she currently, as we said, serves as Director of International Adoption. And in this role, she's privileged to manage the day-to-day operations of Lifeline's international program, as well as provide leadership to the international team. She coordinates with other Lifeline departments and outside ministry partners to better serve waiting children and families. Some of the specific focuses of Carla's role are government compliance, customer service, and quality assurance. She just considers it a great honor to share the gospel with the gift of adoption. Carla lives in Birmingham with her husband, Jamie, and they have three adult children, uh, Michael, Mary Allison, and Lucy. And Carla's family is the biggest cheerleaders of her ministry of Lifeline. And you know what, Carla, before we go on, and I really haven't brought you on, but it's okay, I'm bringing you on right now anyway. You also have a new addition to your family in the last year. And who is that? I do. My husband and I have a granddaughter. Our daughter and son-in-law um, have a little girl named Madeline who is eight months old. And it's just been amazing to be a grandmother and to experience this season of life. That's right. So she's no longer just Ruth. She's Grandma Ruth. So we're grateful for uh, Carla's family and her growing family and uh, just grateful for her service. Before we talk a little bit more about international adoption and even a focus on international adoption in the month of November for National Adoption Month. You know, one of the things we also want to talk about is Orphan Sunday, and that happens in the month of November. November 13th is this year's recognized day for Orphan Sunday. Um, And even though that's the recognized day, your church can choose any day of the year. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know if we can pull off an Orphan Sunday in 11 days, you could still do an Orphan Sunday at another time. But what we really want to encourage you is to find a day where you can raise awareness for the orphan crisis. And you can always find free resources for you or your church to use this Orphan Sunday, including free videos, slides, handouts, prayer cards, sample sermons, small group guides, and so much more by going to our website. So you can go to lifelinechild.org backslash orphan-sunday. Again, that's lifelinechild.org orphan-sunday, where you can get these resources or request a Lifeline speaker. So see our show notes for more details or go to lifelinechild.org backslash orphan-sunday. So Ruse, grateful to have you back. And, you know, as we do so many times, as we come to the close of a year and look at Orphan Sunday in November, we really want to help people know what what adoption looks like right now. What, What does... Um, what are the options for adoption? So just tell us what does international adoption look like in 2022? We're over two years now past the COVID pandemic. What is the the state of international adoption? Yeah. So in 2022, Herbie, we continue to see a great need for Christian missional families 
um, to pursue children waiting all over the world for families. Um, more children than ever are facing a future without a family and without gospel hope. And unfortunately, that number is increasing every single day. Um, starting off with a positive though, 2022 so far um, has seen 94 children join Christian Missional Families through Lifelines um, programs. Um, we are currently serving in 17 countries, so serving the vulnerable in 17 countries, impacting those precious little lives. We're continuing to see the demographic move towards older children, um, more older children coming home through international adoption, more sibling groups coming home through international adoption, and children with more complex medical needs and more complex social histories. Um, our leading countries right now are India, Colombia, Taiwan, and Hungary. Um, any of you that are familiar with international adoption will notice that China is not on that list. Um, China has always been the front runner of sending countries. Um, China's borders remain closed at this time to families pursuing um, finalizing adoptions and also the processes um, moving families along through the process remains suspended. Um, we're going to talk more about that in the next few minutes, but probably that's kind of what adoption looks like right now in 2022. Yeah, and I mean, even as you say, let's talk about that. You know, I I do want to first, though, talk about, you know, what international programs, you know, have recovered from the COVID mm -hmm. pandemic. So obviously, almost all of our programs were shut down, at least for a season during the COVID right. pandemic. Some of them started to come back. But now some of these programs actually not only are really reopened to the same state they were pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. but in a certain way, they're even asking us for more help because, um, because the unfortunately the COVID-19 pandemic left more children in need. So talk to us about those adoption programs that have recovered since the COVID pandemic. Right, so the first quarter of 2022, things kind of still felt a little bit ominous. Um, we were seeing the resurgence of COVID across the world. So we kind of held our breath leading into the year. And then, as you said, probably about March, April, everything started to settle down and things were starting to feel um, more typical. Most of our countries, all truly all but China, have recovered so well, Herbie, and they are, we're learning to navigate what international travel feels like during pandemic times. Um, they've dealt so well with new requirements and there's been great communication so that we continue to move these um, processes fluidly. Um, like you said, like we said, China's program remains suspended at this time. We're truly hopeful that we will maybe hear some, some updates, see some changes to that um, in the coming weeks. Um, but at this time we are supporting not only China, but all of our countries, as you said, in in different ways. Um, we were able to provide humanitarian aid throughout the pandemic to several of our countries. We are continuing to see the pandemic contribute to the growing number of children eligible um, for international adoption for whatever reason. Um, but as you said, it truly, we truly are recovering well and we truly um, have emerged from this season, I think with more awareness of, of needs in other countries, needs of orphans in other countries, and just look forward to a strong start to 2023. And, you know, really even as we look at not only those countries that have recovered, we also know there are a lot of differences. So, yeah. you know, you can't have a global pandemic and not see 
things globally even change, right? I mean, some countries are still requiring testing preferences. Some uh, are, are still requiring other different ways to get into the mm -hmm. country or even maybe requiring things for children that are leaving their country. So mm -hmm. talk about some of the ways that the process of international adoption has changed over the past several years. Yeah, so mostly you're going to see that show up in international travel. Um, so some countries now may have um, some testing requirements to enter their country. Um, some countries may have requirements that you're vaccinated um, to move about freely in their country. Probably the biggest change we've seen is the addition of the COVID-19 vaccination to the list of vaccinations required for um, immigrant children to enter the United States. Um, but again, our teams have done such a good job, our embassies and our teams on the ground, of getting this information out quickly, getting it to us so that we're able to get it to families. And our goal at Lifeline has always been to stay two or three steps ahead. Um, so there's no surprises. Um, and we have everybody, you know, prepared and equipped as best we can um, for any experiences that they may encounter. So I know, obviously, a lot of folks are worried about uh, the vaccine and yeah. especially when I mean, even news reports, Pfizer has admitted that they never intended for it to uh, to to protect you from spreading the virus. And, um, you know, it, it was a, a quick, a quick release vaccine. Mm -hmm. There are families that have concerns about bringing home a child that has to receive at such a young age this vaccination. Talk about the ways that they can get waivers. Absolutely. Um, so one of the best things about this is how communicative, communicative our countries have been about sharing information regarding the vaccination. Are they giving this to children? What does that process look like? Um, and one thing that Lifeline was able to do was really step out and advocate for, is this in the best interest of children? Are we able to speak into this? Are families able to speak in to what this process would look like for a child they're bringing into their home? Um, so we really just dug in, did a lot of research with our Department of State, our U.S. immigration, um, and there is a process, a, a waiver process, where if you are not comfortable with a child you're bringing into your home to receive the vaccination, we have a process through our government where you can apply for a waiver for that child, um, whether it be based on medical concerns, whether it be based on the concerns of, of others in your home. Um, but there is a process for that um, with our United States immigration, and our team is able to walk families through that. We, our goal is to provide families with all of the information or as much information as we can and to walk them through those options so they can make a good decision um, based on their family's comfort level and based on the best interest of the child that they're adopting. Yeah. You know, and I think that's <clears throat> the thing is we want to equip families to... Mm -hmm really be able to, to navigate all the, the different things that they could come upon, but also to be able to make the, the best decisions, both for their child and for their family. Um, so, you know, we've talked about changes. We've talked about countries and kind of a snapshot, but what are some specific challenges that we're seeing mm -hmm. in international adoption today? Because certainly we know that the numbers have, have gone down mm -hmm. of the number of American families seeking to adopt internationally. Obviously, some, some of that's a balance of China, mm -hmm. um, the issues we see in China, as well as just a, a global pandemic. But what are mm -hmm. some of the other specific challenges that you've seen in inter-country inter adoption? 
Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, the, the landscape changing. So where six to eight years ago, you saw very young children eligible for adoption, children that had more minor needs, whether they be medical or, or the, their history. Um, you're now seeing children that are older being eligible, more sibling groups, as I mentioned before. The medical needs that children um, have are becoming more complex because children are spending longer time in orphanages, their, their trauma history um, has increased. So they're, they're just the, the needs that come along with that. Um, you know, one thing I always want families to focus on though, is so many of our families come into our program really wanting to follow the call of the Lord and meet the need of the global, global orphan crisis. So I think it's important to share that that is the need um, the need right now is for older children, for sibling groups, for children with more com complex histories to experience family and the hope of the gospel. And I love how when we share that, families are able to pivot so quickly. Um, most of the time, it's just they didn't know what the need was. They didn't know which children were truly in need of homes and families and, and gospel hope. So I love that our families hear that need, seek the Lord. And we have so many families that are answering the call to those specific needs of older children, sibling groups, and the children with the more um, complex medical needs. It's been so encouraging to me, Herbie, that, you know, just truly a, a picture of the Lord going before us. Because you and I, in the early 2000s, we didn't know that this is where international adoption would end up in, the, in 2023. But your vision for us our vision has always been to serve the children that were the most vulnerable. So going into the governments of the and other countries and saying, we want to see those children that are hard to place. You know, we want files prepared for those children that are harder to place. It's neat to see how that vision, that mission truly prepared us for where we are today. Um, because we have all those additional years of experience, we can be considered experts in the fields of older child adoption, the adoption of sibling groups. Um, so it's just really neat to see how the Lord um, has gone before us and just prepared us for this exact season of the challenges that we're seeing. I think it's also neat to see how um, being so diverse in the countries that we opened early on has allowed so many more opportunities for our families as some countries have become more challenging. We're able to say, well, if this country doesn't, you know, fit what your family's comfortable with or the needs of your family right now, we can look at 16 other countries and see if that maybe opens up some different options. Um, and then lastly, I think Lifeline's ministry always being so um, ready to pivot, um, to follow the needs of the children. Um, so we've always been able to um, just build out what exactly do we need to do as a ministry to meet the current needs of children. And over the past couple of years, that has looked like education, 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 you know, just really shifting our education to fit the children that are coming into families. Um, going as far as having a conference where people travel to Birmingham, Alabama and meet with our staff face to face for two days and just the impact um, that we're able to have on, on the education families are receiving. 
And then most recently, even the addition of, of post programs, um, knowing that we have a saying we say here that, you know, the rubber truly meets the road when that child is placed in your arms or placed in your family. And because of our experience over the past 20 years of knowing what those challenges looked like, we've started amazing post-adoption programs. We started a parent coaching program, which is one-on-one -on -one consistent specific coaching between a lifeline counselor, social worker, and a family. We started Bridge Services, which is walking a ministry that walks alongside families in the educational realm, which if you've been there and had to sit with teachers and make lesson plans or um, deal with a child that ha is having so many challenges that sitting in a schoolroom maybe is just something that, that you don't feel they'll ever achieve, Bridge Services um, has been implemented to walk with families through those challenges. So it's been very affirming to me in a season that truly could be overwhelming um, with all of the challenges and all the changes and all of the, the things we're seeing that the Lord has truly gone before us and just through the ways I've just mentioned has truly prepared us for exactly what international adoption looks like today. And we want to extend that same hope to families um, in, in offering these programs. Yeah. Amen. Well, I know certainly, you know, we talked about a lot of the changes um, some of the challenges even, but, you know, kind of from a personal level, Ruse, for, for doing this for 21 years, you know, what's just something that the, the Lord has been teaching you over the last year as you lead the Lifeline team and, and you lead mm -hmm. these families through what, what has been a, a relatively difficult season? Yeah. Um, so the Lord truly has taught me so much, both personally and professionally over the last couple of years, Herbie, um, we've been challenged as a team to keep Jesus big and out front. Like those words stick out to me in every, in most everything I do. Um, our international leadership is prioritizing prayer um, and modeling, relying on him to each other and to our families um, throughout our day to day. We've learned that, you know, through, through a pandemic time, especially when there just wasn't a lot to do process-wise, as you mentioned, everything shut down at one time. Um, and we truly learned it's not about putting on your superhero cape and jumping in and saving the day. Um, it's about allowing Jesus to be the one that jumps in and saves the day and being able to point families to that. Because in that they will turn to him more and more often. Um, and I've seen that in my own self. Um, there was a time when it was tempting to work harder. It was tempting to do more. It was tempting to be out there, um, you know, kind of on my own. But just over the past few years, truly realizing um, to do this ministry, to have this ministry to families and children without him is in vain because what it's really about is we're building the kingdom and we want to build a community of families and a community of children that are coming home through international adoption that know that it was through his provision and that are seeking him daily through all the challenges that come um, in this, in this precious work. Well, certainly I know that we need that grace in all this ministry. And, mm -hmm. you know, this, this, this year has yes, brought some, 
unique challenges, but it's also brought some extravagant joy um, mm -hmm. from a war in Ukraine to a close down in China to uh, COVID-19 trying to, to learn this new normal that we now live in when, mm -hmm. you know, is it a global pandemic or not? Or is it something that we're just living with? Trying to figure all of that out as each country treats it differently. But we've also seen the Lord bring a little girl home from the, the center of war in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. We've seen families that have brought children home that um, not only have known the joy of a family, but have come to know the joy of the Lord. And we have so many great testimonies. We have a great team that the Lord has assembled mm -hmm. to, to work with these families. So tell us a little bit more about mm -hmm. that team that you do serve. Oh, goodness. So our international team, they have my heart. Um, not only the, the team here in the United States, but our teams abroad as well. Our teams that are on the ground every single day in countries where COVID-19 has truly looked different um, than it's looked here <clears throat> in the United States. But it's been, it's just such a joy to lead people through the ministry that we do every single day. Um, the young women here in the United States that work on our team, um, Herbie, they have such hearts for what they do. And it's not easy. This is not easy work. It's very emotional. It's full of deadlines and paperwork and um, sometimes hard conversations. And they do it with such grace. Um, and it's been just a, a real joy to watch them truly understand the ministry that they're involved in, that it's not your typical nine to five job or 830 to 430 job, but it truly is a ministry. Um, and the same with our teams on the ground. We, um, we used COVID-19 as a time where we truly reached out to them and spent a lot of very intentional time with them. Um, we professionally did a lot of trainings. We were able to jump in and um, do, do some education with them because we had time, but we also were able to minister to them. So many of our team abroad still doesn't know the Lord um, and specifically our team in China because they did have some of the harder, more challenging times. Um, just walking them through the book of Psalms or just letting them know, not only are we praying for you, but the entire United States is praying for you and the entire Lifeline family is praying for you. Um, so I just, you know, as families come into this process, one thing we really want them to leave this process with or to, you know, to, to finish their adoption with is just to know that they have had a chance to minister um, to people on the ground in other countries that we are the Jesus that they see um, on a daily basis. And the time we spend in country with them is so very valuable. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, kind of as we do talk about this is National Adoption Month, um, I think even at the very beginning of the month, we started uh, an application push with a scholarship. Talk about that application push and just what does Lifeline have planned for these next two months and the rest of the year? Yeah, we're so excited about finishing 2022 strong and heading into 2023 strong. Um, I'm going to back up before I talk about the application push um, and just want to share that one of our goals for this year was to open new programs, um, be able to, to minister further to children around the world um, through, through new programs. And we are so close with a couple of those programs. Um, we are looking at 
the possibility of opening a program in Africa sometime soon, which is huge. Herbie, as you know, we still have so many families that are called to serve the children of Africa. And right now in the adoption community, it's just challenging to find a country um, that's a good fit for families. So we're very excited about that. We had another good round of conversations with another country. And I'm not trying to be intentionally vague, um, but I guess I am at the same time. Um, we will, as those uh, as these um, ventures progress, we will share more, but really just want our, our Lifeline family to continue to pray with us for those opportunities in other countries, um, especially as they, they truly are, are, they truly seem close. Um, but as far as the month of November, National Adoption Month, I'm just really excited that the focus or the lens of, um, of this month is on waiting children that are so precious to us. And one thing Lifeline wants to do is we want to offer um, $1,000 scholarships to families that um, apply to Lifeline's international programs. Um, so that would be when your application is accepted, you would receive confirmation that you've received a scholarship of $1,000 that would go towards your first agency fee. Um, so it's really just Lifeline acknowledging that we realize that one of the main reasons families don't come forward to pursue children internationally is still finances. Um, and the Lord just truly blessed us financially. Um, even in pandemic years, y'all, it was just amazing to see people give to our Hope Adoption Fund, um, the fund that we use to help families pursuing adoption. So we're excited to offer um, that scholarship. Um, we're also going to be in churches. As Herbie mentioned earlier, we'll be speaking in churches, bringing awareness to um, the orphan crisis, making our team available um, to, to Sunday schools and small groups um, so that we can so that we can raise awareness there. We've got a lot planned for um, National Adoption Month on social media. So be watching um, the Lifeline social media. You'll be seeing some amazing stories of families um, that have walked through this journey. Herbie mentioned the little girl that was adopted from Ukraine. We'll be sharing her story um, over the next month. And again, just really trying to create awareness for um, these precious children that mean so much to all of us and, and obviously so much to the Lord um, and just continue to have the impact that we know he has called us to have. You know, Ruth, as we as we close, I just uh, I'd love for you to share with folks who maybe listen to this podcast and want some more information specifically about international adoption mm -hmm. or even want to start the process or talk to someone. How can they go about getting more information and, and contacting your team? Absolutely. If you go to our website, it will direct you to the pre-application process and the pre-app process doesn't. Um, it, it, it doesn't obligate to you ever obligate you to anything, but it allows you to speak with our inquiry specialist and she will direct you to the person that can best answer your questions. She'll provide you with a document that gives a lot of really good in-depth information about all the countries that we're serving. She'll provide you with financial information regarding grants that are available to families if you want to know more about the financial piece. Um, our inquiry specialist name is Heather Jackson. She is truly a gift to our ministry. 
Um, Heather came along at a time when we really felt like we needed somebody to field those calls. Um, she is an expert um, in this role, and you guys will enjoy connecting with her. But go to our website. Um, it will direct you to the pre-app. From the pre-app, you'll be connected with our international department, and we can move forward there answering questions, getting on the phone, getting on a Zoom call, whatever's best for you guys. Well, I know we'd love to hear from families, and certainly, as Carla said, now is the time to get engaged with our international mm -hmm. adoption ministry, and specifically international adoption. Our team would love to help you, and we'd love to see how the Lord could use you to manifest the gospel to a child that's vulnerable, a child that needs a home through intercountry adoption. So like Carla said, always go to our website, lifelinechild.org. You can look at us on social media, on any social media account, at Lifeline Child, and you can always contact us directly at 205-967-0811, and we stand ready and able to help you and your family as you look at intercountry adoption. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. <music>